Hey, well, what's up, Embrace? Um, so glad to be with you guys today. Hope you're doing well at all of our campuses and network churches. If I've not met you before, uh, my name is Travis. I get to be our campus pastor for our Sertoma campus on the beautiful, sunny west side of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, shout out to some of the best people I know. What's up, Sertoma? Um, but yeah, so, so honored to get to hang out with all you guys today. I love my gig as campus pastor, but it is a joy uh, to get to share our message Today, we're in the middle of a message series called Five Things That Will Kill Your Relationships. And if you missed the first couple of weeks, the first week uh, we talked about magnifying faults in other people. And then the following week we talked about holding grudges. And if you miss any of those first two weeks, you should check them out on a line. Our lead pastor Adam did a wonderful job of going through those first two messages. But for today, uh, we're going to continue our conversation with the topic of always having to be right. Thing number three that will kill your relationships, always having to be right. Now, just a bit of honesty for us as we get started today. I kind of love being right. Uh, and maybe even more honestly, it's probably one of my favorite things. They do say that people enjoy doing the things that they're good at. Um, but <laughs> I'm partly kidding, of course, but I do really enjoy being right. And I actually know that I'm not alone in that. So you might be aware of this app that you can download to your phone called Trivia Crack. I don't love the name, but over 300 million people have downloaded this online trivia game. And I'm just going to say that those people didn't play that game to get a bunch of questions wrong, right? Like there's this one guy who answered over 622,000 trivia crack questions. And so couples, I just want to encourage you that given that information, there's at least one person on this planet that likes being right more than your partner. Um, so that is good for you to know you're welcome for that. But it feels good to be right, doesn't it? Like it feels really wonderful to be right. When we're right, we feel, we feel valuable and we feel smart. But where we run into issues is when our needing to be right turns into our, excuse me, when our liking to be right turns into needing to be right. When liking to be right can kill our relationships is when we start to believe that our personal opinions, that they're actually facts that other people have to agree with. When we start to believe that if others don't think the way that we do, they're not only wrong, but they're also bad. And in many ways, having to be right, it actually can kill our ability to have productive conversations with other people. And we see that in our marriages, we see it in our relationships with our friends, with our family members, with our coworkers. It's like one person thinks that they are right, and that becomes the most important thing. Not considering the opinions of someone else, not considering someone else's feelings, and certainly not the good of the overall relationship. Um, where we see this at its worst is probably on social media. Uh, something about removing that face-to-face -face interaction with other people. It just kind of emboldens us to say some really dumb things. Um, and and I, I truly believe that social media in a lot of ways has just been, become this battleground for unhelpful agenda pushing, really, in a lot of ways. And, and what happens is, is we just force our opinions on other people, and then we all just walk away believing the same thing, but now we're hurt, and now we're angry, and now we're upset. And now intuitively, we can all agree that that wouldn't be our goal, right? Intuitively, we can agree that by needing to be right, our goal would never be to hurt another person or make somebody else upset. And yet, for some reason, we still have this deep desire to be right, well, I wanted to know why. So I did a little research. Um, I tried not to hurt myself in the process, but I started reading some articles, and I learned about these chemical processes and reward systems that are taking place in our brains without us even knowing about it. 
And if you're anything like me, you're like, oh, chemical processes, it sounds like learning. Learning is the worst. But bear with me for just a moment. I think that this might be helpful. See, our entire lives, we're trained to believe that when we are right, good things happen. Like take school, for example. We get all the, all the correct answers on a test, and we get rewarded with a good grade. And good grades mean maybe we get a reward from our parents. We can take the car for the weekend, or maybe we get into a good college someday. And in the workplace, when we get all the right answers in an interview, when we say all the right things, we get rewarded with our dream job, or, or at least our regular job, right? Or when we're meeting with a client, we say all the right things to them, and we make the sale. We make the right call in the stock market, and we get rewarded with financial gain. It's like our entire society, it marches to the beat of this being right drum. Well, in these articles, I learned that when we get rewarded, like in some of the ways that I talked about, there's actually this small chemical release of dopamine that happens. And so when we're about to get rewarded with something, dopamine is released and it helps reinforce the behavior that we're about to do. I thought that that was fascinating. So not only does our culture and our society say that it's best to be right, our own brain is reinforcing that narrative that we need to be right as well if we want to get good rewards. So, so that's great, but like, kind of what do, we, what do we do with this information? Like, it's good to learn vocab words about science, like dopamine, and it's also good to kind of know why we need to be right, but we still, we still like being right, and needing to be right, it can still hurt our relationships. So what do we do? How do we fly in the face of culture, society, and our own brains for the sake of not killing our relationships? Well, the Apostle Paul, uh, he says something helpful in his letter to the Philippians. So if you have your Bible with you, I'd love for you to take your Bible out, turn to chapter 3 of Philippians. Uh, it'll be on the screen as well. But Paul is actually writing this letter to a church in Philippi, and he's writing it from prison. So if we want to learn how to fly in the face of culture, listening to a guy in jail isn't a bad idea. But, but slide number two, again, it'll be on the screen. He says, he says this, he says, watch out for those dogs those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. So kind of an interesting start talking about dogs and circumcision, right? But what he's saying here is that there's, there's a bunch of people around the church that are trying to do right things. Like they're getting circumcised because they're supposed to. They're following all the rules to make themselves look good. Much like a lot of us, they're trying to do right things to get good rewards. But Paul says something important. He says, but we who boast in Christ, we who follow Jesus, we no longer put confidence in the flesh. We no longer put confidence in being right. We no longer get our rewards from being right. And even stronger, he says in verse 4, he says, if someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. If anybody thinks that they have confidence in being right, I have more reasons. And then he goes on to share all these wonderful right things that he's done, all the rituals that he's gone through, all the right people that he's hung out with, all the right places that he's gone, and then the rewards that he's gotten because of this. But in verse 7, then he says, But whatever were gains for me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever I've gained from being right, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. He says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, and that's a word for being right, a justification of my own, a rightness of my own, but that which, but that which is, comes through faith in Jesus, the rightness that comes from God on the basis 
of faith. So we see Paul's telling us here that being right is no longer the standard for him. Human rewards are no longer his goal, but rather our best rewards, he says, are found in Christ. And the best rightness is rightness that comes from God through faith in Jesus. He's saying God's rightness is just better than ours. Essentially, Paul is saying that, that if we're right with God through faith in Jesus, it's kind of okay for us to be wrong in other places. Now, what Paul is teaching us, it actually uh, applies to something that I learned shortly after my wife and I got engaged. Um, my wife, Jessie, and I, we've been married for almost exactly eight years. Um, she's the most beautiful woman that I know. I love her dearly. We actually just celebrated uh, the birth of our first child. Um, her name is Parker Joanna. We'll have a picture here on the screen. Isn't Parker beautiful? Um, she has wrecked our life in the best way possible. I wish she'd sleep more. Like, why don't they sleep more? Um, but anyways, after after, after, after Jesse and I got engaged, uh, part of the process for us getting married is that we had to see a marriage counselor. And for the most part, that was a really good experience, a really positive experience for us. Our marriage counselor was really great. His name was Larry. Um, but I remember, I remember one thing that happened uh, very vividly um, on our way to a session. It must have been really close to the wedding because we were both really stressed. And I remember us fighting, I mean, discussing the entire way to our session. And as you might recall, I kind of fancy myself pretty good at being right. And my beautiful wife, Jessie, happens to be a pretty scrappy arguer when she wants to be. So needless to say, both of us were not feeling so great as we walked into our first meeting with Larry. And wouldn't you know the topic of the conversation for Larry that day was conflict resolution. Awesome. I was not in the mood for conflict resolution. Uh, I was right, so I was in the mood for Jesse to apologize. And then maybe after that, maybe we could do one of those personality tests that we had done in past weeks. Those were a lot of fun. Um, But I yielded to Larry's leadership And we started to dive deeply into the art of conflict resolution. I am so glad that we did. I don't remember everything that Larry taught us, but I remember this. He said that when you are in conflict, when your spouse thinks that you're wrong for something that you did or something that you said, do not defend yourself. He said the best and healthiest way to resolve conflict is do not defend yourself. Now, quick disclaimer here, he's not talking about situations of abuse or domestic violence or anything like that. Those things are never okay. But when we're in general conflict, he said the best thing that we can ever do is not defend ourselves. And I think the same thing is true for us today as it relates to our topic. If we want to stop killing our relationships by needing to be right all the time, the first thing that we need to do is we need to stop defending ourselves. Now, I remember after first hearing this, being confused, I was like, but, but if I don't defend myself, how will Jesse know that I'm right? And needless to say, it was good that I was in counseling. But when we defend ourselves, we explain, right? We qualify our position. Essentially, we just explain all the reasons why that while it may appear that we did something wrong, we were actually right the entire time, right? And, and you might be thinking, but isn't it important to explain our reasoning to other people? Well, the problem with that is that when we defend ourselves, when we, ex- we think that we're explaining our actions, but all the other person is hearing is just our excuses. Let me just say that one more time. When we think that we're explaining our actions, all the other person is hearing is our excuses. When we qualify, we completely disqualify the feelings and the opinions of someone else. 
We can't let an argument go when we, when we continue to have this incessant need to be right or feel justified. That crushes the value in other people, and it kills our relationships. For the sake of our relationships, we need to stop defending ourselves. But this is actually much harder than it sounds. Remember, we live in a culture that relentlessly rewards being right. And our own brain, again, it reinforces that, that when we're, we do right things, we get good rewards. Our society even tells us that if we're not right, then we're not valuable. But let me just encourage us that that's just not true. That is a lie. No one person is right all the time. And you know what? Something even more true than that? Sometimes we're just wrong. (gasps) Wrong? But it's bad to be wrong. No, it isn't. It's human to be wrong. You know what's bad? Participation trophies are bad. Okay, it's okay to lose, and it's okay to be wrong, right? Our entire Christian faith, guys, is founded on this principle that we can't do everything right all the time. If we were right all the time, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. If we want to stop killing our relationships by always having to be right, we first need to stop defending ourselves, and second, we need to believe the truth that it is okay to be wrong. Stop needing to be right because it's okay to be wrong. Why? Well, one of the reasons is because when we're wrong, we see our need for Jesus. And when we see our need for Jesus, that is one of the best things that we could ever do. And that's kind of what Paul is saying in our verse in Philippians, right? He says, but whatever were gains for me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He doesn't want to be right anymore. He wants Jesus. He calls all of the rewards that he got on his own, he calls them garbage. He doesn't want them. In the Greek, what he used for the word garbage was scubula, which actually, it, it, means, it means poop. It actually means something worse than poop. But literally what he's saying is, he's, take all this being right poop and throw it away. Why? For the sake of Christ. For the sake of Jesus. He says, I don't want my own rightness anymore. I want God's. And the clearest picture we see of God's rightness is on the cross where Jesus, he took all of our mistakes, all of our wrongness, and he made us right before God. No wonder why Paul wants to throw everything away for that. It's okay for us to be wrong because Jesus has forgiven us and he's made us right before God. And for our relationships with other people, another reason why it's okay to be wrong is because if you're anything like me, people already know you're wrong anyway right? And that would be actually so refreshing to our relationships. If we just lived in an area where we were just able to be wrong, we were able to admit that we were wrong, that would be so refreshing to our relationships. Instead of killing our relationships, admitting that we were, we were wrong would breathe life into them. It'd be, like, it'd be like Adam coming on the stage on a Sunday morning, and he would, he would say, hey guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was wrong that I was rooting for the Bengals this entire time. They're a terrible football team. I was wrong. It's like we already knew this, but it would just be really refreshing to hear him say it, wouldn't it? (laughs) But seriously, what if we all started to admit that we were wrong? No excuses, no, I did this because of that, or, or she was actually supposed to do this, but she didn't, so that's why that happened. So it wasn't actually my fault to begin with. It would be so refreshing. We would love to be in relationships where other people admitted that they were wrong. But one really important nuance to this is that when other people admit that they're wrong to us, we have to let them know that it's okay to be wrong by being willing to forgive them. 
right? When someone actually takes this countercultural, bold, humble step to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I shouldn't have done that, will you forgive me? We have to forgive them. We have to forgive them. That's the only way that this will work. We can't hold it over people's heads. We can't bring it up later. We can't say, you always do this. You even admit it is. If we punish other people for being wrong, then we're right back where we started with. We're right back with people having to be right all the time because we've made it bad to be wrong. We have to forgive people and we have to let them know that it is okay to be wrong. Remember, Jesus did this for us he forgave us and made us right before God. So we have to forgive others and let them know that it is okay to be wrong before us. So we've talked a lot kind of about being right and being wrong today. But one thing that we're, we've left out of this conversation is, is who gets to decide who's right and who's wrong? Like, yes, it's great to not defend ourselves. It's great to believe the truth that it's okay to be wrong. But who gets to decide what is right? Well, God does, of course. It's not you, and it's certainly not me. And thankfully, Paul teaches us that it's actually better for us to follow God's rightness and not ours. Again, he says we can't put confidence in our own rightness. He says that compared to God's, our rightness is just worthless. It's garbage. And that might be kind of hard for some of us to hear. It's kind of harsh language. But then we just remember any conversation we've ever had with anyone ever, right? People, we're just wrong a lot, right? We need God to teach us. We need him to guide us. We need God's word to help figure out what is right and what is wrong. If we want to stop killing our relationships by always needing to be right, we finally need to believe the truth that we need to learn God's rightness. Proverbs 3 says this. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Do not be wise in your own eyes. We need to trust God and know what he says to be true so that we don't lean on our own understanding, our own opinions, our own moods, our own judgment. Our moods, they change. Our opinions, they change, right? We can't trust our judgment all the time. Don't be wise in your own eyes because everybody sees things a little bit differently. We need God's wisdom, we need God's rightness. And we have to learn that by reading God's word. If we want to breathe life into our relationships, into our marriages, into our relationships with our parents and with our, with our kids and with our coworkers, guys, we have to read this book. We have to read the Bible. Because what we're left with without it is just, just us. And again, we're just wrong a lot. We don't, we don't make the right decisions all the time. We hurt each other. We say things that we don't mean. And because of that, it's, it's, again, it's good to not lean on our own understanding. It's good not to be wise in our own eyes. We need to learn God's rightness. It's just smart. It's just good practice to do that, right? Now, practice, that's actually a good word for this because it's going to take some effort on our parts. We're probably not going to get this right the first time, even though we might want to. But we need to practice this stuff. Go home today and practice reading Scripture. Practice learning God's rightness. And then once you do that, practice being wrong. Practice not defending yourself. If we're willing to take on these opportunities to do this, I promise there will be plenty of them. 
In fact, I was actually given an opportunity this week to do this. And I'm going to close today with an extraordinarily practical example of all this. This is amazing when we are in God's word and we we allow ourselves to learn from him, the opportunities that he gives us to speak into our life in the most amazing ways. This happened to me just this week. I was having dinner with some friends of mine. We were having a really good time. But then, then one of my friends, she just got really serious. And she said, Travis, I have to tell you something. We're having a great time, and then she just got really serious. She said, Travis, I, I have to tell you something. I said, okay. She said, something that you did recently, that really hurt my feelings. That really hurt me. And then she told me what the thing is. And she said, that, that really hurt my feelings. That wasn't okay. And at first I thought, man, aren't we in the Midwest? I thought we didn't share our feelings. So that's a, that's a whole other thing. That was amazing. Like, we should start doing that too. But I mean, that's a different message. But honestly, when I first heard that, I wanted to defend myself. Because guys, I had reasons. I promise. I had really good reasons. She shouldn't have been hurt. I wanted to explain myself. I desperately wanted her to know that. I, I didn't actually mean what she was experiencing. But then I just stopped. And I just stopped. I felt like God was teaching me in that moment. I felt like he was giving me this opportunity to practice. So I just said, oh man, you're right. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. That probably wasn't the right thing to do. I'm sorry. And that's all I said. And I just stopped. I just waited. Do you know what happened? She immediately started to relax. She went from being really nervous and really serious to like her facial features just started to like her her eyebrows started to release, her forehead like unfurrowed. It was like, like a weight was being lifted off of her. She was so nervous to tell me, someone that she really cared about, that I had hurt her. But when my response was, you're right, I was wrong, I'm sorry, there was just this peace that happened. It was like she almost immediately forgave me. It was like it was almost out of impulse because she was just so surprised. Guys, we, people, we just don't say stuff like that. We don't just admit that we're wrong, at least not without some sort of initial struggle to begin with. And yet, it, yet when it happened, my friend's first response was just forgiveness. Why? Well, because again, God's rightness is better than ours. On our own, we might have eventually got there, but it wouldn't have gone like that. Hey, you heard me. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I forgive you. That just doesn't happen. We don't do that, but God does do that. This is not something that normal people do, but it is something that God's people do. Now, full disclosure, I do have to say that I did eventually start to give some of my reasons, but, but they were good, and I'm learning, right? And I waited. I waited. But I'm practicing these things, and that would be my hope and my prayer for all of us, that we would, we would learn, and we would practice, and we would allow God's rightness to correct our wrongness, because that's what he does, and that is a really good thing. So let's practice this stuff, church. Stop believing the lie that we need to be right all the time and breathe life into your relationships by stopping defending yourself and believing the truth that it's okay to be wrong and then being in God's word and learning God's rightness because he knows what is best. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for not being silent on things that are really, really important. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for instructing us. Thank you for not allowing us to be wise in our own eyes, but you gave us another way. 
Lord, your word is so good. God, would you give us opportunities to practice it? God, would you teach us? Would you instruct us? We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.